Chapter Thirty of Queechy by Susan Warner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Arlene Stebbins. Chapter Thirty: Disclosures by Mr. Skilcorn. Aunt, he misses much. Seb, no, he doth but mistake the truth totally. Tempest. It was the very next morning that several ladies and gentlemen were gathered on the piazza of the hotel at Montpool to brace minds or appetites with the sweet mountain air while waiting for breakfast. As they stood there a young countryman came by, bearing on his hip a large basket of fruits and vegetables. "'Oh, look at those lovely strawberries!' exclaimed Constance Evelyn, running down the steps. "'Stop, if you please. Where are you going with these?' "'Marm!' responded the somewhat startled carrier. "'What are you going to do with them?' "'I ain't going to do nothing with them. "'Whose are they? Are they for sale?' "'Well, t'won't do no harm, as I know,' said the young man, making a virtue of necessity, for the fingers of Constance were already hovering over the dainty little leaf-strewn baskets, and her eyes complacently searching for the most promising. "'I ha'n't got nothing to do with them.' "'Constance,' said Mrs. Evelyn from the piazza, "'don't take that. I dare say they are for Mr. Sweet.' "'Well, mamma," said Constance, with great equanimity, Mr. Sweet gets them for me, and I only save him the trouble of spoiling them. My taste leads me to prefer the simplicity of primitive arrangements this morning. "'Young man,' called out the landlady's reproving voice, "'won't you never recollect to bring that basket round the back way?' "'Tain't no handier than this way,' said Philetus, with so much belligerent demonstration that the landlady thought best in presence of her guests to give over the question. "'Where do you get them?' said Mrs. Evelyn. "'How?' said Philetus. "'Where did they come from? Are they fresh-picked?' "'Just afore I started.' "'Started from where?' said a gentleman, standing by Mrs. Evelyn. "'From Mr. Rossiter's down to Queechy.' "'Mr. Rossiter's?' said Mrs. Evelyn. "'Does he send them here?' "'He does not,' said Philetus. "'He doesn't keep to hum for a long spell.' "'Who does send them?' said Constance. "'Who does? It's Miss Flitty Ringen.' Mamma! exclaimed Constance, looking up. "'What does she have to do with it?' said Mrs. Evelyn. "'There don't nobody else have nothing to do with it. I guess she's pretty much the hull,' said her coadjutor. "'Her and me was a-pickin' em afore sunrise.' "'All that basketful!' "'Tain't all strawberries. There's garden sass up to the top.' "'And does she send that, too?' "'She sends that, too,' said Philetus succinctly. "'But hasn't she any help in taking care of the garden?' said Constance. "'Yes, marm, I calculate to keep considerable in the back garden. She won't let no one into the front where she grows her posies.' "'But where's Mr. Hugh?' "'He's to hum.' "'But he has nothing to do with all this. Does he leave it all to his cousin?' "'He's to the mill.' "'And Miss Ringen manages the farm and garden and all?' said Mrs. Evelyn. "'She does,' said Philetus. And receiving a gratuity which he accepted without demonstration of any kind whatever, the basket-bearer, at length released, moved off. "'Poor Fleta,' said Miss Evelyn, as he disappeared with his load. "'She's a very clever girl,' said Mrs. Evelyn, dismissing the subject. "'She's too lovely for anything,' said Constance. Mr. Carleton, if you will just imagine we are in China, 
and introduct a pair of familiar chopsticks into this basket, I shall be repaid for the loss of a strawberry by the expression of ecstasy which will immediately spread itself over your features. I intend to patronize the natural mode of eating in the future. I find the ends of my fingers decidedly odiferous. He smiled a little as he complied with the young lady's invitation, but the expression of ecstasy did not come. "'Are Mr. Rossiter's circumstances so much reduced?' he said, drawing nearer to Mrs. Evelyn. "'Do you know them?' exclaimed both daughters at once. "'I knew Mrs. Rossiter very well some years ago, when she was in Paris.' "'They are all broken to pieces,' said Mrs. Evelyn, as Mr. Carleton's eye went back to her for his answer. "'Mr. Rossiter failed and lost everything, bankrupt, a year or two after they came home.' "'And what has he been doing since?' "'I don't know. Trying to farm it here, but I am afraid he has not succeeded well. I am afraid not. They don't look like it. Mrs. Rossiter will not see anybody, and I don't believe they have done any more than struggle for a living since they came here.' "'Where is Mr. Rossiter now?' "'He is at the West somewhere. Fleda tells me he is engaged in some agencies there. But I doubt,' said Mrs. Evelyn, shaking her head compassionately. "'There is more in the name of it than anything else.' He has gone downhill sadly since his misfortunes. I am very sorry for them. And his niece takes care of his farm in the meantime? Do you know her? asked both the Miss Evelyns again. I can hardly say that, he replied. I had such a pleasure formerly. Do I understand that she is the person to fill Mr. Rossiter's place when he is away? So she says. And so she acts, said Constance. I wish you had heard her yesterday. It was beyond everything. We were conversing very amicably regarding each other through a friendly vista formed by the sugar-bowl and teapot, when a horrid man, that looked as if he had slept all his life in a haycock and only walked up to turn it over, stuck his head in and immediately introduced a clover-field, and Fleda and he went to tumbling about the cocks till I do assure you I was deluded into a momentary belief that haymaking was the principal end of human nature and looked upon myself as a burden to society, and after I had recovered my locality and ventured upon a sentence of gentle commiseration for her sufferings, Fleda went off into a eulogium upon the intelligence of haymakers in general and the strength of mind barbarians are universally known to possess. The manner still more than the matter of this speech was beyond the withstanding of any good-natured muscles, though the gentleman's smile was a grave one, and quickly lost in gravity. Mrs. Evelyn laughed and reproved in a breath, but the laugh was admiring and the reproof was stimulative. The bright eye of Constance danced in return with the mischievous delight of a horse that has slipped its bridle and knows you can't catch him. "'And this has been her life ever since Mr. Rossiter lost his property?' "'Entirely. Sacrificed,' said Mrs. Evelyn with a compassionately resigned air. "'Education, advantages, and everything given up.' and set down here where she has seen nobody from year's end to year's end but the country people about. Very good people, but not the kind of people she ought to have been brought up among. "'Oh, mamma," said the eldest Miss Evelyn, in a deprecatory tone, "'you shouldn't talk so. It isn't right. I'm sure she is very nice, nicer now than anybody else I know, and clever, too.' "'Nice,' said Edith. "'I wish I had such a sister.' "'She is a good girl, a very good girl,' said Mrs. Evelyn, in a tone which would have deterred any one from wishing to make her acquaintance. 
and happy mamma fleda don't look miserable she seems perfectly happy and contented yes said mrs evelyn she has got accustomed to this state of things it's her life she makes delicious bread and puddings for her aunt and raises vegetables for market and oversees her uncle's farmers and it isn't a hardship to her she finds her happiness in it she is a very good girl but she might have been made something much better than a farmer's wife you may set your mind at rest on that subject mamma said constance still using her chopsticks with great complacency it's my opinion that the farmer is not in existence who is blessed with such a conjugal futurity i think fleda's strong pastoral tastes are likely to develop themselves in a new direction mrs evelyn looked with a partial smile at the pretty features which the business of eating the strawberries displayed in sundry novel and picturesque points of view and asked what she meant i don't know said constance intent upon her basket i feel a friend's distress for mr thorne it's all your doing mamma you won't be able to look him in the face when we have fleda next fall i am sure i shall not want to look at his he'll be too savage for anything mr thorne said mr carleton yes said mrs evelyn in an indulgent tone he was very attentive to her last winter when she was with us but she went away before anything was decided i don't think he has forgotten her i shouldn't think anybody could forget her said edith i am confident he would be here at this moment said constance if he wasn't in london but what is all mamma's doing constance inquired her sister the destruction of the peace of the whole family of thorns shouldn't sleep sound in my bed if i were she with such a reflection i look forward to heart-rending scenes with a very disturbed state of mind but what have i done my child said mrs evelyn didn't you introduce your favourite mr olmney to miss ringan last summer i don't know her native delicacy shrunk from making any disclosures and of course the tongue of friendship is silent but they were out ages yesterday while i was waiting for her and their parting at the gate was-i feel myself unequal to the task of describing it said constance ecstatically and she was in the most elevated tone of mind during our whole interview afterwards and took all my brilliant remarks with as much coolness as if they had been drops of rain more i presume considering that it was hay-time did you see him said mrs evelyn only at that impracticable distance mamma but i introduced his name afterwards in my usual happy manner and i found that miss ringan's cheeks were by no means indifferent to it i didn't dare go any further i am very glad of it i hope it is so said mrs evelyn energetically it would be the most excellent match he is a charming young man and would make her very happy you are exciting gloomy feelings in mr carleton's mind mamma by your felicitous suggestions mr carleton did your ears receive a faint announcement of ham and eggs which went quite through and through mine just now he bowed and handed the young lady in but constance declared that though he sat beside her and took care of her at breakfast he had on one of his intangible fits which drove her to the last extreme of impatience and captivation the sun was not much more than two hours high the next morning when a rider was slowly approaching mr rossiter's house from the bridge walking his horse like a man who wished to look well at all he was passing he paused behind a clump of locusts and rose acacias in the corner of the courtyard as a figure bonneted and gloved came out of the house and began to be busy among the rose bushes another figure presently appeared at the hall door and called out fleda well barbie 
This second voice was hardly raised, but it came from so much nearer that the words could be distinctly heard. "'Mr. Skillcorn wants to know if you're going to fix the flowers for him to carry. "'They're not ready, and it won't do for him to wait. "'Mr. Sweet must send for them if he wants them. "'Philatus must make haste back, for you know Mr. Douglas wants him to help in the barn meadow. "'Lucas won't be here, and now the weather is so fine I want to make haste with the hay. "'Well, will you have the samp for breakfast? "'No, we'll keep that for dinner. "'I'll come in and poach some eggs, Barbie, if you'll make some thin pieces of toast, "'and call me when it's time.' Thin Barbie. The gentleman turned his horse and galloped back to Montpool. Some disappointment was created among a portion of Mr. Sweet's guests that afternoon by the intelligence that Mr. Carleton proposed setting off next morning to join his English friends at Saratoga on their way to the falls and Canada, which purpose was duly carried into effect. End of chapter 30